All right. How you doing? Good. It's good to see you. Hills and valleys. Amen to that. So um, uh, have a joke. It's kind of an old joke. I've, I, I shared it a long time ago, but it fits what I want to talk about today. So bear with me, okay? I think some of you will like it. Counting on that. A group of 40-year-old women, friends, who were having a reunion discussed where they should meet for dinner. Finally, it was agreed upon that they should meet at the Ocean View restaurant because the men there were very young and quite hot. (laughs) Ten years later, at age 50, the group once again discussed where they should meet for dinner. Finally, it was agreed that they should meet at the Ocean View restaurant because the food there was very good and the wine selection was good also. Ten years later, at age 60, the group once again discussed where they should meet for dinner. Finally, it was agreed upon that they should meet at the Ocean View restaurant because they could eat there in peace and quiet, and the restaurant had a beautiful view of the ocean. Ten years later, at age 70, the group once again discussed where they should meet for dinner. Finally, it was agreed upon that they should eat, meet at the Ocean View restaurant because the restaurant was wheelchair accessible and it had an elevator. <laughs> Ten years later, at age 80, the group once again discussed where they should meet for dinner. Finally, it was agreed upon that they should meet at the Ocean View restaurant because they'd never been there before. <laughs> pretty funny if you're older, I'll tell you that right now. So it's, yeah, it's, I feel that one. All right, so we are in a series that um, we have titled Dysfunctionality, and you thought your family was messed up. And we have been going through the book of Genesis now for months, and uh, we have finally come to the last character um, in the book of Genesis, the main, last main character, um, a guy by the name of Joseph. I know you've heard about him, even if you've not read your Bible or been around church. And uh, we're going to kind of talk about Joseph now these next um, number of weeks because uh, there's quite a bit about him. And um, Joseph, just so you know, is the son of Jacob, who we've talked about the last few weeks. Another biblical character Uh, Joseph is another biblical character who will allow us to talk about some of our own issues and kind of remember that, you know, uh, some of the stuff that we deal with isn't that new. So um, every time we have started a new Bible character in the book of Genesis, I have shared with you um, this statement, and I want to remind you of it again today. Here we go. It's going to be up on the screen. The Bible is not a book about faithful and righteous people, but about messed up people like you and me and a faithful and righteous God. Really important that you understand that, especially when you read the Old Testament. That the Bible is not so much about these amazing people of faith, uh, but that they were pretty kind of messed up like us, um, but a faithful and a righteous God who works in their life. So with that in mind, grab a Bible and turn to Genesis 37. Genesis 37, and uh, I'm going to read a little bit of this uh, story 
um, of Joseph, chapter 7. We're going to read about the first half of chapter 7. And so I'd like you to follow along. Um, Here we go. Genesis chapter 37, page numbers up on the screen in front of you. Let me begin reading. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah, but Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of the other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. That never ends very well, by the way. Uh, So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful technicolor dream coat. Actually, this is where that comes from. But his brothers hated Joseph because his father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't even say a kind word about him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in a field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. The brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think we will, you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of the dreams and the way he was talking about them. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream. And he said, the sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed down before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers. And his father scolded. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to, to the ground before you? And while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready, and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me your report. So Jacob sent him on his way. Joseph traveled to Shechem from the home in the valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for, he asked. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him, they have moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go to Dotham. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dotham and found them there. All right, we're going to end on that cliffhanger right there, and we will come back to it. Here is our question for today. What is something you are learning about yourself? So it's kind of a deep but broad question all at the same time. What is something going on in your life or something as you kind of look at your own journey that you are learning about yourself? If you'd like to answer the question, Flint and Tim are going to run the mics. You get their attention. You stand up, speak directly in the mic, give us a brief answer, and I'd love to have a few of you start and get us going here. Well, I thought there was a reason I came this morning. Um, I'm I'm Seth. Uh, 
I had bipolar schizophrenia, and I thought God wanted me to start smoking meth to reach one of my friends. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I've been smoking meth for like a month, trying to quit. Thanks. Yeah. Seth, we're glad you're here today. Yeah, good morning. My name is Aurora. Something that I'm learning about myself is that my mental illness and my addiction is not my label, and I don't have to live with that label. So I'm learning that I'm a valuable person, not only to God, but other people. Thanks, Aurora. Good morning, everybody. I hope everybody's well. Um, well, in the last couple of years, I've been learning a lot of stuff about myself, and I can tell you that I have a lot of deficiencies. But the good thing is that if you try to learn about yourself, you can try to be best, the best of you. Thank you. Yep, thanks, Holger. Hi, my name is Chad. Um, one thing I've been learning about myself is how vulnerable I actually am. I thought I was a tough cookie, <laughs> but I'm not. And with the Spirit of God, I've been able to continue and be acceptable that, that I am vulnerable. And that's, that's where I'm going to leave it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Chad. Lots of vulnerability here today. All right, who else would like to share? Well, my name is Galen, and what I've learned about myself is that I am worthy of love. Hmm. And that has been the hardest lesson and actually the easiest to accept. Hmm. Thanks, Galen. Yes, uh, I've learned that family is everything. Yeah, thanks, Julie. What I learned about myself today is was um, how to be a positive role model of my temper. I look at my daughter and her temper, and it makes me look at myself to make me want to change even more better to Christ. Yeah. That's what I'm Thank you for sharing that. It's humbling to see our kids in us, isn't it? Yeah. Anybody else? We have time for one more if anybody else wants to share. All right. Anne, and then we will wrap up with that. Hi, I'm Ann, and I had been single for 20-some years, and I learned to do everything for myself. And I recently got married, and I am learning to let somebody else do things for me. And that's been a very difficult lesson, but I'm finding that he takes great pleasure in doing things for me. So it's been a big, hard lesson for me. Thank you, Ann. Was there one more? Okay, we'll, we'll do one more, and then we'll wrap up. Hello, my name is Jamie, and what is something I, I learned about myself is that my life just took a complete 360 in not a bad way, but a good way, and I'm going to be a dad. All right. Thanks, Jamie. 
All right. So um, thank you. I love the diversity, the variety of answers, and uh, life is about learning, isn't it? Um, so I hope you think about that a little bit today um, and this coming week. Have you ever noticed um, that life is full of paradoxes? Take you, for example. Yeah, you. Um, you are an absolutely amazing creature and at the same time a hot mess. Turn and tell someone you are a hot mess. I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you today about something that you already know, something that you feel, and something that you deal with every day of your life. You are complicated. You are an incredible person of giftedness and ability combined, combined with difficult experiences and struggles. The person you are today has been pieced together, not only genetically, but also from an unbelievable variety of experiences and decisions. Much of the way that you think and function was formed at just a a young age. We talked about this um, some time ago. As a child, you were a sponge. You took in information, you stored it up, at a very young age, your neuro neurological connections that would guide your life were being made, and you learned things like what's good and what's bad, right and wrong. You learned how to make decisions to deal with stress or pressure or not. Um, you learned how to survive and how to stay safe. Um, you learned how to respond to situations instead of react or not. I talked some weeks ago that it's in childhood at a very young age, often when we learn things like love and healthy touch and nurture, and they are so important. We learn what it means to be cared for and interconnected or not. And it's at young ages that we begin to learn and understand what it might mean to be male or female. I recently read that according to a national, national survey of children's health, almost 50% of children in the United States had at least one significant traumatic experience. Another study found that 60% of American adults are, uh, report having had at least one adverse childhood experience, and 25% have had three or more adverse childhood experiences. And what is shocking about this is not the statistics, but that it's believed that it's grossly underestimated. Honestly, I don't even know if we want to know the statistics of our Lighthouse family or our greater recovery community here, UFTA, um, because we, we are a rather messy place, and we're a messy place because uh, lots of people here have had messy lives. Amen? Amen? If you have family members who struggle with substance use issues or addiction, you have a much greater likelihood that you will struggle sometime in your life. It's a brain thing. That's why they call it a disease. If you were abused as a child, you not only bear the scars, but it has shaped you, and it has shaped some of your own behavior 
and your thinking. We haven't even talked about mental health and things that you may deal with. Mental health issues um, are an illness as well. And for many, they can be life-controlling. And for many, they are treatable. But one of the things that I have learned is that for many people, it's also just something that you are going to have to learn to live with. That said, take your meds as prescribed. Physically, you are a product of an amazing creative engineering of a divine creator. Your body and how it functions and works is direct evidence that we have an incredible and amazing and a powerful God. But your body, too, will battle illness and disease and aging and eventually death. Can I also say that as much as I care about you and I love you all, that you can also be quite self-centered Turn and tell someone, no, me? (laughs) For some reason, you think that you can manage your own life through your own self-will. And you can't tell someone, I can't. You are this complex combination of hopes and fears, dreams and sinful self-will, ambitions and crazy thinking, and then you add other people and relationships into the mix. It is amazing that you got here today and you are sitting upright. Because you are complicated. You are complicated. You with me? Now, can I just say that, that um, this, is, this is something before we move on that I just kind of want to kind of say from my heart to yours because somebody here probably needs to hear this today. And, um, you know, you, you might have come, God might have brought you here just for this word, okay? So um, here's what I want you to know. That, that one, of the, one of the biggest and best lessons of my own journey to coming to Lighthouse and dealing with the things that I've dealt with, one of the great blessings of my, um, of my recovery has been that I have had to accept that I am just a human being. And that um, I'm not really better or worse than anybody else. That I've got issues that I have wonderful things about me, but I also make horrible mistakes in my life, that I have things that I deal with that are beyond my control, and that, and that sometimes, you know, it's most important for me to just accept that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm human. And so here's, if, if you identify with that, if you're kind of in the midst of that right now, here's what I want you to know. Um, you have to learn how to give yourself some grace, my friends. Give yourself some grace. God gives you unconditional, unlimited, unmerited grace. 
Chances are there are people in your life who give you grace. If not, keep coming here. But you need to learn to give yourself some grace. Give yourself some grace. Life is tough. We'll talk more about that next week. Joseph was a complicated man as well. And we're going to learn that he was quite talented. He was gifted. uh, That he was handsome. We're going to learn that. It'll be an interesting story down the road. Um, He grew up blessed. Grew up wealthy. In a wealthy family. Um, He was his dad's favorite. Which is rarely a good thing. And um, he had this spiritual connection to God, which, which we read about today. Like God communicated to him things that he wanted Joseph to know. They would come in the form of these dreams, and they were important. Don't want you to miss that spiritual connection. Joseph, as complicated as he is, has a spiritual connection to God. But we're also going to learn, we already did a little bit, that Joseph has a healthy ego. Is that how you say it? His ego sometimes gets in his way a little bit. Um, and um, he's not smart enough to know when to keep his mouth shut. Remind you of anybody else you know? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. I love these Proverbs. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Hmm. Proverbs 17, verse 28. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. It's a great proverb, great proverb. So as we begin um, this story, this journey with Joseph, um, I, I, I want you to know that um, I think we're going to see some things that we can learn from, um, some things that we also deal with, some things that we acknowledge. Um, but it kind of all starts with this idea that, that, you know, we look at this man, Joseph, who's chosen by God, we're going to see, and does great things. Um, that Joseph is a complicated man. Joseph is a complicated human being. And that like, like us, he is complex. And, um, you know, we're going to see that, that sometimes um, the challenges in life are, you know, figuring out what to do with the, the complicated complexity that we are. So um, we're going to look at Joseph over these next weeks and a little bit more today. But um, here's the deal. We're not really here to talk about Joseph. We're here to talk about you. Isn't that nice? So, um, you know, as we think about you and me being kind of complicated human beings, uh, a little bit like Joseph, um, I thought of a few things that I would really like to share with you today um, that are kind of good ground foundation for what we're going to talk about next week and then the following week. So here's number one. God made you, but he did not position you at the center of the universe. Shock! You are complicated, but it's because you are this combination of being wonderfully made by the hand of God and sinful at the same time. 
you have life experiences that kind of drag you down, you make mistakes, you have life-controlling issues, things aren't the way that God maybe intended in the beginning. We talked about that when we started Genesis. You and I need to wrestle with this identity that God gives us. That's what we do a lot here, actually, at Lighthouse Church. Um, God did not create you to run the universe, God did not create you to run the universe. I, I say that and I think to myself, heck, some days I have trouble tying my own shoes or figuring out a shirt and pants to match. You know, why in the world would I ever think that I could manage your life or world affairs for that matter? God made you, but he did not position you at the center of the universe. And I don't mean that just to be humbling. It might take a load off of some of your shoulders because here, here is what it means. Number two, God is God and you are not. Sooner we get that kind of figured out, the better off we're going to be. But, but what does that mean even? You know, because we all would probably, even if you're not sure what you believe about Jesus or church or the Bible, chances are you kind of know you're not God or you wouldn't be here at Lighthouse Church. And, um, you know, one of the things that I wanted you to know, um, this kind of comes out of not only a, kind of a, I think, a biblical foundation, but it certainly comes out of my lived experience, um, that faith is not only about knowing some things about God. It's not only about accepting God's forgiveness in Jesus, although it involves those two things. It's not only about going to church or, you know, allowing God to change some behaviors in your life or, you know, clean up some things. Um, literally, um, you know, the, the, the more I grow in faith, the more I realize that, that it's more and more important for me every day to get on my knees and say, God, I gave it my best shot today, and I still fell down and made mistakes. Forgive me and help me do better tomorrow. You know, or wake up in the morning and say, God, um, I was a bit of a screw-up yesterday, but I'm going to try to do better today. You know, help me. And see, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, sometimes we think... That spiritual growth, and I tell you all the time that, you know, the measure of spiritual growth is if you look more like Jesus. But, you know, really read the Gospels. Jesus is this amazingly, amazing, humble, humble man. Amazingly humble man. And, and literally, I have kind of learned that the more I grow in faith, the more I come to realize how much I need God's grace today more than ever how much I need his forgiveness just like I did in the past and how I need his guidance if I'm going to kind of move forward at all, not only kind of navigating the things of my life, but also just kind of trying to, to serve him in my daily life. You and I need God. And, and, and this faith of ours is literally, you know, getting down on our knees kind of like the, the, the bushels of wheat you know, get down on their knees. They, they humble themselves before Joseph. Um, that's what you and I do on a daily basis before God. That's, that's growth in faith. Like, God, if I'm going to make it through today, I need your help. If I'm going to make it through this next moment, I'm going to need your help. And so, um, you know, 
don't, don't kind of confuse sometimes, we're going to talk more about that, but don't, don't confuse, you know, what this, this growing in faith really is supposed to look like. Um, you know, the Bible, um, the Bible is so interesting and it addresses so many of these issues. So I think I mentioned last week that um, I do a, a Wednesday night Bible study. We meet right over here. Some of you in, in this room were there um, this last Wednesday. And uh, we've been going through the book of Romans and uh, we got to Romans chapter 12. And I just wanted to slow down because I love Romans chapter 12. It's this complex practical kind of uh, advice. And, and what, here's what we talked about this last week. I just thought um, in my preparation, I wanted to kind of share this with you. In Romans chapter 12, um, in verse 2, it says, you know, Paul says, be transformed into a new person. That's pretty cool, right? Be transformed into a new person by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know God's will for your life. Cool. Be transformed into a new person by the renewing of your mind, then you will know God's will for your life. Here's the thing, and I shared this um, this last Wednesday night. Um, Paul knows, the author of Romans, knows how complicated you and I are. And that we can even mess up God's blessings. And um, Paul writes that, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will know God's will for your life. And he writes that and he says, okay, I know what some people are going to start to think. They're going to start to think, well, I think that I know God's will. And God is changing the way I'm thinking. I am a transformed person. Me and God, we are like this. I think I've got this now, right? I think I've got this now. And it's like, you know, something that is meant to be really positive in our life um, we can even muck that up, right? And, and so Paul writes um, in um, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, he writes this. He says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me. That's his nice way of saying, because I'm your pastor, I'm going to tell you this. I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Don't think you're better than you really are. Why? Or what, what should we do? Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. In other words, anything that you have, anything that you are living, anything that you are experiencing is a gift from God. Every day is a gift from God. Every day is a gift from God. And so, you know, this idea that, that um, you know, even in the richness and blessings of God, um, our sinfulness... Um, our egos can run so deep that we even get that messed up a little bit. So that leads me to number three. Joseph shows us this. Often we can even mess, make a mess of what God intends for good. Often we can even make a mess of what God intends for good. Um, so, can I just suggest that I believe the dreams that Joseph had were intended for Joseph, and probably not for his brothers. And I was I was thinking about that, and I was re- kind of reflecting from a scriptural standpoint, um, and I was kind of drawn to the birth narrative of Jesus that comes in Luke chapter two, where where um, Jesus is born in Bethlehem, and uh, in a barn. 
And, you know, there's Mary and Joseph, and Mary's experiencing all these things. Remember, she had had a visit, visit from an angel. You're going to bear not only a child, you're going to, you know, you're a virgin. You're going to bear God's son. He's going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the Savior of the world. So she has this baby. The visitors from, you know, the shepherds come, and, she, you know, all of this stuff is going on. What in the world had to be swimming in her head? And what's so interesting is Mary doesn't run through the streets of Bethlehem saying, I just gave birth to Jesus, the Messiah, the son of the, you know. It's not what she does. What does she do? It says in chapter 2, verse 19, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Next week, we're going to learn that Joseph's life would have been a little easier if he had had those dreams and he had pondered them in his heart and thought about them often. One of the things that I want you to know is that, is that sometimes when we have these, these spiritual blessings and revelations, they are meant for us to think about, to ponder, and then maybe not announce to the world, but to talk to people that we can trust. You know, Joseph's life might have been a little bit easier if he had, you know, like gone to his sponsor with these dreams or his accountability partner or his pastor or his therapist. Sometimes we can kind of mess things up, even the things meant for blessing. But here's, here's, the, here's the main thing I, wanna, I want you to know, and we're going to go on from this then next week. Number four, God loves complicated people. And he does great things through them. That's the story of the Bible, my friends. God loves complicated people like you, like me, and he does great things um, through them. You know, I, I want you to know, um, because, you know, there are probably various degrees right now of, of uh, stability in this room. <laughs> and um, I want you to know that God knows right where you're at and he loves you unconditionally. He loves you just as you are. There's nothing you can do today that's going to make him love you more than he did yesterday. Nothing you can do today that's going to make him love you more tomorrow. God's love for you is 100% pure and certain and unconditional. He loves you right now where you're at. He also would love to walk with you in your life and move forward in a way that might be a little bit less complicated but frankly, your life will always be complicated because as we're going to learn next week, life itself is complicated. But I want you to know that in the midst of all of this stuff that we've kind of dealt with, um, you are amazing. And that's a biblical truth that comes from God. You are amazing because God made you and he made you in his image. He made you by his own hand. He made you so that he could love you and that he could come and die on the cross for you so that you would know his forgiveness and power and strength as you move forward. You are not a mistake. You are not the sum of your complication, messy struggles. You are loved. And because you are loved, you have the, like me, have the opportunity to define ourselves not by who 
others say we are, not by the way the world says we are, not even by the way we sometimes tell ourselves in our own head. You are able to define yourself by who God says you are, by who God says you are, my beloved, my cherished one, my child, my child. Isn't that amazing?